Have you ever wondered what happened with the Jeffrey Epstein case? Or, 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 or actually, it was just pushed under the carpet by the media. Nobody really cares about that. I mean, when there's mass corruption, paedophilic rings at the upper echelons of society, it's not the biggest deal in the world, I would say. Of course it is. It's a huge deal when you have corruption, when you have lies, when you have a divided legal system. And this is what we have within the case of Pedo Epstein and his lovely friend, Prince Andrew. What this case really indicates towards is the mass corruption, the lies, and the very sketchy, let's call, things in which are going on within elite circles at the upper echelons of society, in which people are getting away with. Power, fame, and money, you can get away with a lot. And as Eric Weinstein has noted, we really stumbled over something in which we were not meant to know. This was far bigger than I think we firstly anticipated, and it really now, as we can see from the latest lawsuits and documents which you can find on Dantons.com, all of this really shows the lies, the corruption, and the role JP Morgan allegedly has, has had within this paedophilic ring and funding. Now, one of the most, I think, important aspects of this case is the distrust within the mainstream media, the distrust within the policing system, the distrust within the legal system, because they're divided. And unfortunately, it seems like in many cases, there's one rule for us and another for the, for the elites or the rich and the powerful. And we can see that over COVID, in which you had in the UK specifically, elite people partying, not following the rules, whilst they were simultaneously implementing these rules. It was just terrible. Now, I'm going to reiterate the story again, because I think this shows the nature of society and how corruption is strife and what this means. I believe, and I've said this many times, corruption is a sign of the times. And we saw this in the 15th century church, in which the church, very similarly, was comparable to the government of today. And long story short, the church became corrupted. Priests were engaging within sexual activities, despite the fact they were imposing these laws supposedly from God. The priests were breaking them. It was all in a, ma in a means to regain power. My point being is that similarly to the 15th century church, the church really was a central point within medieval society. It was almost like a government. They argued within the book The Sovereign Individual, in which highlights this point, that the church was the most powerful institution in Europe within the time. It had a monopoly on education, law, and morality. The church controlled vast amounts of wealth, in which it used to build churches, monasteries, and other religious institutions. However, this power and wealth also led to corruption. And there's many examples of church officials who were more interested within enriching themselves than serving God. There was also evidence of the church's indulgences, in which were essentially ways for people to supposedly buy their way into heaven. And this corruption really was a sign of the times. And similarly, I believe the church's corruption in the 15th century is analogous and comparable to the governmental corruption and the corruption of major institutions in which we see today. The point being, as we'll get to momentarily, it's a sign of the times that society is changing and these archaic old institutions are trying to grapple onto power in order to regain authority. The church was previously responsible for agricultural development, architecture, it was a meeting point for commerce and an origination in which set the rules for society. Post the Dark Ages, this medieval period changed and this change started to occur within society. This was the start of the industrial age, in which the dynamics of society changed majorly. New technologies such as the printing press were introduced, in which led towards diminishing necessity for the church to act as the sole disseminator of information and education. Instead, now the printing press could do so. The mass production of books ended the church's monopoly on scripture and information, 
wider book availability increased literacy, more people could contribute thoughts on important subjects, and this fundamentally threatened the church's monopoly on theology and information. The point being is the dramatic change that occurred 500 years ago is going to occur today. It is occurring now. Society enters into what has been labelled as the information age, away from the industrial age towards the information age in which is characterised by the cyberspace and the cyber economy. The information revolution, characterised by technology in the cyberspace, is going to destroy the monopoly of power held by the nation state, just as the gunpowder revolution destroyed the church's monopoly. And importantly, the shift away to the industrial age from these medieval dark ages was not a fluent transition. As we noted, and the main point being here, is that the church, in recognition of their diminishing value within society, they clung on to corruption and authoritarianism in order to regain their role within society, in order to try and regain power. And the same is happening now, as I've argued many times. This corruption, the lies, it's all a sign of the times. This is a sign of the changing dynamics of society towards the age of information, an age characterized by more sovereignty to the individual thanks to the cyberspace. And this is why mainstream media is freaking out. This is why censorship is happening on, happening on social media. This is why there is corruption at the upper echelons of society. I believe a vast portion of this corruption, the censorships, the authoritarianism, the tyranny, is because these institutions perhaps, in, perhaps inconspicuously recognize that society is changing, there's more sovereignty to the individual. They're scared of your voice. And just like the medieval period, the shift away to the industrial age, or the shift now towards the information age, is not going to be easy. Just like the medieval church, the government, mainstream media, these large-scale, old, archaic institutions are going to grab onto tyranny and authoritarianism in order to try and regain their power. The United Nations putting out a report the other day saying, we need to limit speech. Ireland, they're doing this too, in which we wrote about, and I film my show on this on Dantons.com, and you can watch all of the shows on YouTube. If you wish to support us on Patreon, please do so. This small pledge per month would mean the world for supporting the team and I. But the point being is that I believe much of the corruption, the authoritarianism, and the tyranny is a sign of the times. It's very similarly analogous to what we saw back in the 15th century with the church. And the point being is that these individuals, institutions today, archaic institutions, are scared of your sovereignty. They're scared of your voice. They don't want to hear you. They want to stay in power. And that is why you have these terminologies, as we, as we discussed on prior shows, of hate speech, of disinformation, of misinformation, whatever the hell that bloody means in its Orwellian language. Getting to the story, more evidently, I ask the institutions of the day. Where is the list? Why does Ghislaine Maxwell believe that Epstein was murdered? Who did it? Why did they do it? Who did Epstein have relations with? Was this a high-level government spy? Was it something far more sinister? Blackmail? Or was it, as the mainstream consensus goes, solely a paedophilic ring of sorts? Okay, I firstly want to play this video of Tucker Carlson and his predictions a while ago, in which he noted and spoke to one of Epstein's friends, I believe, or someone whom was close with Epstein prior towards his death. And this reiterates the views of Ghislaine Maxwell, whom she noted she was pretty certain that Epstein was going to refute his case and try and find a way out of sorts. However, in reality, she, she, it turns out he was supposedly murdered and he died in prison. Now, there's a range of sketchy kind of details associated with this case, as we'll get to, and we have recorded upon uh, and, and reported upon it in, 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 in other periods. But let's hear what Tucker Carlson had to say, because this is a great prediction. And it shows he was right. We know that he was murdered. He was murdered in the special housing unit of 
federal lockup in Manhattan. How do we know he was murdered? Oh, well, look into it, dude. We did a whole segment on it on my show. Nobody cared. Um, I'm going to watch it after. You should. It's it's beyond belief. And I'm very skeptical of any kind of conspiracy theory or whatever. Why don't more people go after this, though? We know that he was murdered because, well, for one thing, I... A friend of mine is one of the people who last talked to him on the phone the day he was killed. And he had a expectation of a bail hearing in two days. He thought he was getting out. He was not despondent at all. I talked to his lawyer, told me the same thing. They moved someone out of his cell. They put two people, one of whom was not even a full-time prison guard, on duty. None of the cameras trained on the cell worked. They were all out of it that night. They locked the front of the special housing unit that had eight cells in it. But then they opened all the cells inside. So who was it? So I asked a really simple question, the Bureau of Prisons. Who were the other? So there are eight cells, 16 minus his cell because he was alone. So that means there are 14 other inmates there that night. What are their names? Where'd they go? Some of them are transferred out right after. Who were these people? Can't tell you that. Really? You can't tell me that? Well, on the basis of what? Because some inmate at a federal prison's privacy concerns like Trump telling, what are you even talking about? Meanwhile, the attorney general of the United States under Trump, Bill Barr, issues a statement being like, no, you know, it's totally Bill Barr lied. There's no question that Bill Barr clearly suspected Epstein was murdered, but stopped the investigation into it. I went and read Bill Barr's book in which he explains all this, and it's like complete bullshit and transparent bullshit. So I have no idea why the attorney general of the United States would be lying about this, but there's literally no question that he did. I know him. So we, Bill Barr is a super nice guy. We reach out to Bill Barr like, hey, why don't you come on and explain why you lied about Jeffrey Epstein's death? Uh, no. To the pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, according, I believe, to the Daily Mail, invited ex-Barclays Bank boss Jess Staley to meetings with Peter Mandelson and former Foreign Secretary Mr. Alistair Darling after he was released from jail for sex crimes. Pedophile Jeffrey Epstein invited ex-Barclays Bank uh, boss Jeff Staley to meet with top UK governmental officials after he was released from jail originally for sex crimes and internal investigation has has been revealed. This 22-page report, internal report, was prepared by J.P. Morgan Chase after Epstein's arrest in 19, reportedly showing how the sex offender would regularly provide business advice to then-exec Staley. Epstein also offered to connect Staley with Chancellor Alistair Darling and Peter Mandelison, the former business secretary and de facto deputy prime minister, according to the Financial Times. He is also understood to have invited Staley to meetings with senior officials in the government of Dubai. An unreleased report may suggest Staley's involvement with Epstein goes deeper, and even saw the pedophile offer help with an application of one of Staley's daughters sent to Columbia University. At the time, Staley, who left his job as chairman of the investment banking unit of J.P. Morgan Chase in 2013, was tasked with managing Epstein's multi-million dollar accounts. What a coincidence! These two best friends, one of whom has access to huge levels of capital, and the other one of whom seemingly was creating this pedophilic ring in which he was getting blackmail upon individuals. What a coincidence these individuals were working together. And I think Jess Staley, it turns out, is a very important p- figure within this case because he seems to be a central individual who connected Epstein to finance. And Epstein wasn't just a, let's say, a sex criminal. He was simultaneously a financial criminal, and Whitney Webb has noted about this in her writings in detail 
in which I highly recommend that you check out. But the concern here, as we'll get to later on, is that JP Morgan funded and were conspicuously involved within the funding of this paedophilic ring. That, that, that is the allegation in which is being noted here. According to the report, Epstein wrote to Staley in 2010, January, seemingly inviting him to meet with high-ranking officials at the World Economic Forum in Switzerland. I'll set you up and Peter to meet in Davos with Darling, Epstein allegedly wrote. Staley, days later, replied Peter last night, Darling in 20 minutes will talk again with Peter this AM. Darling has claimed that he has no recollection of meeting Staley. What a coincidence, huh? The Financial Times reported, adding that he denied having dealings with Epstein and questioned, why would I? The document in question involves J.P. Morgan's efforts to purchase the Royal Bank of Scotland's stake in Sempra Energy and a mining deal in the Congo. Darling has claimed that the Treasury was not involved in running RBS and that meetings on government business would have been attended by civil servants. In a statement to the Wall Street Journal, Darling said he very much regrets ever having been introduced to Epstein and that he never had any kind of professional or business relations with Epstein of any form. One thing that is really disturbing about this case is, is it makes you wonder as to how much corruption there really is at the root of society in which we just never hear about. I mean, if you look at this, all the relations to high-level individuals within governments around the world, including Dubai and the United Kingdom. And then when you try and figure out as to how Epstein actually made his money, seemingly originally starting as some sort of maths or physics teacher, I believe, and then miraculously, within a matter of a few years, becoming what seems to be a multi-multi-multi-millionaire, it, it really is concerning as to how he made his money, who was he working with, and how did he gain such power and influence and wealth in such a short period of time. A source close to Mandelson confirmed that he did meet Staley to discuss the banking crisis, but said Epstein certainly did not set up the meeting. The report also alleges that Epstein and Mandelson spoke, met on a number of occasions, including within Paris. A spokesperson for Mandelson told the newspaper that he very much regrets ever having been introduced to Epstein. This connection has been a matter of public record for some time, he never had any kind of professional or business relations with Epstein in any form, the spokesperson added. There is no suggestion of any wrongdoing between Darling or Madelison. So this is supposedly a leaked memo and internal document, I believe from the court case, in which indicates towards some relationship and some more detailed analysis and information in relation to Jeffrey Epstein and his relations with Jess Staley and J.P. Morgan overall. Jeffrey Epstein, it reads, makes limited references to his interest in women, but no explicit references to age. There is also some comments, while which are still unconfirmed, but may have appearance of relating to inappropriate behaviour, with one referencing between Epstein and Staley to a modelling agency. And we can just read through this very briefly. In online, Jess Staley writes to Epstein that he is on his Staley's boat, and that he will be in London with Jamie midweek. Epstein writes, how long in London? Do you need anything there? Staley replies in 09 with yep. And other emails and conversations in which have been leaked in 09. In which Epstein emails Staley and writes, you were there with Larry. And I have to put up with, and he attached an email of a young woman wearing a revealing outfit in a modelling pose. Staley replies back the same day and writes, don't tell me French wine. On 09, Epstein emails Staley with a blank email, 
that includes an attachment in which appears to be a modelling photo of a young woman. Oten Staley writes to Epstein, he has a S and A next to him. Epstein replies, do you mean T and A? Staley replies, do you know a Catherine Keating? And Catherine Keating is a daughter of a former Australian Prime Minister who was shown in news reports leaving Epstein's home in New York City whilst Prince Andrew waved to her whilst leaving. In 2010, Staley writes to Epstein, is she free tonight? It is unclear what this is in reference to. And Epstein replies, call me, and Staley replies, I'm with A, which presumably may have been Prince Andrew. In 2010, Staley writes to Epstein, maybe they are tracking you. That was fun, say hi to Snow White. Epstein replies, what character would you like next? To which Staley replies, Beauty and the Beast. Epstein further replied, well, one side is available. In 2010, Staley writes to Epstein, I'm here at some bull with blank. She says you slept with her. Whilst Epstein was reported to have had social relationships with blank, it is unclear if this is the blank being referenced. In 2010, Staley writes to Epstein, I'm here in Brazil with three beautiful women. Have a happy new year. Epstein replies that they have even more in common than he thinks. So this really purposely is, is in the report because it shows the important relationships between very high-level individuals within our society and also questions Prince Andrew, who literally got away with a multi-million dollar lawsuit in which God knows know how he makes his money. This man has never worked within his life. I have no respect for Prince Andrew. He's a disgrace and he should be totally and utterly ashamed of himself. And I believe he actually, if the evidence is true, in which it seems to be true, this man, I, I think it's, it, it's very sketchy, the whole case. And his bombshell interview, do you remember that? Everyone should be outraged that a prince, a royal family member, has used his power and prestige to participate within what seems to be a pedophilic ring, or at least a ring with a very, very young woman including, you know, at the, at the forefront of this ring is, is, is obviously Jeffrey Epstein, Jess Staley, Ghislaine Maxwell, and seemingly too Prince Andrew, who was kind of associated with these individuals very, very closely. It's a disgrace beyond belief. If this happened, by the way, to anyone else, let's say your average Joe was involved within a paedophilic ring online, he would be in jail instantaneously. But when it comes to Prince Andrew or someone high level, it doesn't happen. In the report unveiled on Monday, and immediately after Epstein's second and last arrest, J.P. Morgan staffers reportedly remarked how Epstein had appeared to be forming relationships with senior executives and officials from various foreign governments before referring those figures to Staley and the bank for prospective business deals. Some notable figures named in the journal's reports include Dubai's Sultan and British politician Peter Mandelson, both of whom engaged in regular correspondence with Epstein after his 06 arrest in Florida. And Bin Solomon, the CEO of pro prominent ports operated at DP World, made several visits to Epstein in his Manhattan house between 11 and 14, including to J.B. Morgan meetings that were only made possible by an email introduction from Epstein. According to the journal, a message penned in 09 saw Epstein tell Staley how to conduct himself around these businessmen during these meetings, reportedly saying Sultan is laying the groundwork for you to establish a serious presence. J.P. Morgan's reputation in the region is poor, Epstein warned roughly a year after himself. He was sentenced to 18 months in jail for a sex ring in Florida. However, under a secret arrangement, the U.S. Attorney Office agreed not to prosecute Epstein for federal crimes, after which the disgraced banker posed for a photo with Epstein. Former J.P. Morgan Treasury Secretary 
Laurent Summers, Microsoft CEO Bill Gates, seemingly in celebration at Epstein's Manhattan home. That is one of the most disturbing things about this case, and I think it tells you a lot about what you need to know in regards to his power, his influence. And many speculate the truth within the argument that Epstein was far more powerful on the outside. And this basically original arrest was, was literally nothing. It, it seems to just be some sort of window dressing. And the fact that he was convicted upon incredibly serious crimes with minors and just got away with it, it shows you everything you need to know. It tells you everything about this whole story. That these people are corrupted to the core. They are rich, they are powerful, they have influence. And many speculate that Epstein evidently had close relations with very senior individuals within the upper echelons of society, including governmental organizations and officials, spy intelligence agencies, and therefore he got away with these crimes for such a long time. And when he was supposedly convicted, as they say, he basically didn't even go to jail. Moreover, Staley sensationally visited Epstein in prison after his 19 conviction for prostitution in the US Virgin Islands, after which he hanged himself, well, supposedly, of course, before being incarcerated. And we reported upon this supposed hanging a few days ago, in which there were some leaked documents revealed to Jonathan's.com, and we indicated towards the fact that there were just a few pieces of evidence that were so suspicious that it's just beyond comical, to put it bluntly. One piece of evidence that, that, that indicates towards this being something far more sinister in comparison to a suicide was the fact that Epstein's cellmate, just coincidentally, one day before he died, he was sent to a court case, and then just coincidentally, the court case was delayed by a few days, and therefore he didn't return to his cell. And two, in addition to this, the cell guards and the individuals who were supposedly looking after Epstein, they just forgot to put someone else within the cell with Epstein, and which obviously left a perfect window. Epstein alone in his cell for someone perhaps to do something. That is at least what the conspiracy says. The report, meanwhile, insists that not just Staley, but J.P. Morgan's current head of assets and wealth management, Mary Rhodes, had regular communications with Epstein related to certain strategic investments, initiatives, and business proposals starting in 11. The document reportedly claims that several of these messages were personal in nature, with a lion's share of the correspondence coming between Staley and Epstein, who regularly discussed women and referred to themselves as family. In a July 2010 email exchange, Staley reportedly wrote to Epstein, that was fun, to say hi to Snow White, in which we now know is some sort of sinister codename. In response, Epstein reportedly wrote, what character would you like next? To which Staley replied, Beauty and the Beast, another codename in which we're unclear as to what it specifically means. In O11, the pair seemed to engage in an exchange that referenced Epstein's 08 conviction in Florida, with Staley telling his high-profile clients, you have a paid a." You have paid a price for what has been accused, but we know what you sick have done for us. We count you as one of our deepest friends and most honorable of people. This was after he was convicted originally for pedophilic activities. It's a disgrace. This guy was a, a senior executive at JP Morgan and later went on to run Barclays Bank. And he had relations, conspicuous relations. Are you telling me he didn't know about Epstein? and his paedophilic activities? Of course he did. The report also allegedly contained correspondence that suggested Staley shared non-public information with Epstein, such as prospective executive shuffles before they were officially announced and word on still ongoing deals. The new information dump serves as the latest development in a case filed by the US Virgin Islands that contends the New York-based bank knew about Epstein's behavior for years, 
and even aided it by turning a blind eye to the sex friend's major operation. The bank recently settled a similar suit with a unnamed woman on behalf of several of Epstein's victims, forking in over almost $300 million within the process. The evidence brought by both parties was enough to sway the Manhattan judge to rule the case could go forward and ordered the firm in March to hand over any records involving CEO Jamie Dimon and exec Staley in the process. The pair formed close friends who held positions of power during Epstein's crimes at his island compound. And they have since waged legal war against one another, with Diamond 67 insisting Staley 66 knowingly concealed information about Epstein's account. This unreleased report serves as the bank's latest attempt to prove to the court that this is in fact the case as it pursues its own suit against Staley. It alleges Staley misled them as to the continued actions of Epstein, while the Virgin Islands continued to maintain the high-powered exec who left his CEO job at Barclays in 2021, and he knew about Epstein's supposedly trafficking woman and teenage girls on the island. The bank also claims that Staley was the unnamed executive identified within a recent um, accusing regarding Epstein, which was recently settled, which accused the banker of engaging in sexual assaults along with Epstein. Staley's lawyer declined the allegations against him and told the Wall Street Journal that their client, who had left the bank in 13, for a short-lived CEO stint at Barclays, regrets his relationship with Epstein. Of course he does now. He was convicted upon this. The report, which claims to know what well, the bank knew about his ties to Epstein, is now being used by the bank as it continues to face off with the government of the Virgin Islands in court and could soon be made public as proceedings persist. And this is where it really gets to the, the, the kind of the core of this case, because it indicates us towards JP Morgan having a conspicuous involvement or not within Epstein's crimes. It has been accused that JP Morgan funded this paedophilic operation, which obviously is just a dis disgrace beyond belief. Last November, Jane Doe sued JP Morgan, alleging that the bank secretly presided over Epstein's human trafficking empire on the island, whilst keeping him as, as, as a client for 14 years. In her complaint, Doe said that a powerful financial executive who was friends with Epstein had sexually assaulted her, but she declined to name him out of fear. In the US Virgin Islands suit, the Caribbean Territory has claimed at least one JP Morgan exec knew about Epstein's trafficking of women and teenage girls. The US Territory has called Diamond a likely source of relevant and unique information about JP, why JP Morgan kept Epstein on as a client, even after he was arrested in 06 and later indicted by a grand jury for taking part in a child prostitution ring in Florida. A spokesperson for the US Virgin Islands government said of the recent settlement, we are gratified to hear about the settlement provide victims of Epstein some compensation for J.P. Morgan Chase and their role within facilitation of Epstein's crimes. The U.S. Virgin Islands will continue to proceed with its enforcement action to ensure full accountability for J.P. Morgan's violation of law and prevent the bank from assisting and profiting from human trafficking in the future. And this is where it gets really interesting too, perhaps indicating towards J.P. Morgan's conspicuous understanding of Epstein's role and the actions in which he was participating within, um, and, 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 and therefore it could perhaps indicate towards their funding, many argue, of Epstein's paedophilic ring. And this is because I say this because the bank employees were actually concerned and have raised their concerns about Epstein's large cash withdrawals, some of which were used to pay underage girls in exchange of sex, but he was allowed to remain clients for years. He would regularly withdraw between 40000 and 80000 a month, and these withdrawals rang alarm bells from compliance officers, but he explained to them that they were for fuel and landing fees for his private jet. 
And this is kind of the cherry on top, let's say, of the whole disgrace around this situation. While a high-ranking JP Morgan executive, Staley famously visited Epstein in prison after his conviction from a prostitution scandal in 08. The bankers denied Staley actually went to the prison, saying instead that Epstein visited Staley and his office during a work release for his 18-month prison sentence. Epstein died supposedly in custody whilst awaiting a sex trafficking trial. So that is all the latest news in relation to the Jeffrey Epstein case, indicating towards really the mass corruption within the upper echelons of a society. And I reiterate what I said at the start, that this is a sign of the times. It shows the corruption, it shows the lies, it shows that the elite individuals within our society live upon differing rules. And that is the harsh reality of this. And it is a disgrace. You cannot have a flourishing society when people of power, wealth and influence can get away with hideous crimes, as Jeffrey Epstein famously did so. So let me know your thoughts. Did JP Morgan, or was it just Jess Staley, whom have conspicuous involvement within this ring, did JP Morgan fund this? These are the questions in which hopefully we shall get answers to over the next few weeks and months. Thank you so much for watching. Once again, you can read the full report on dantons.com and you can check out all of our shows across all social media platforms and on dantons.com for more information. If you did enjoy, please stay tuned, subscribe to the show and make sure you follow us on Twitter and all social media platforms to keep up to date with all of the latest news in relation to truth, finding truth and making society a better place. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you did enjoy and I shall see you very soon.